Good morning. This is the morning meditation edition of the Common Thoughts of Christ podcast series. And we are spending our days here going to the book of Ezra. Hope everyone is doing well. It's a beautiful spring morning. And it is something that, uh, you know, the spring mornings are something to be cherished after coming through the winter. We find, we find that, uh, the blossoms are blooming. The sun is getting up quicker. <laughs> Much be- beautiful to see these things before us as the spring is moving on. And, and so that's why we're taking up the uh, book of uh, Ezra. And uh, the book of Ezra, you know, someone asked me just a week or two ago when I was chatting about this little podcast, why are you taking up the book of Ezra? Well, as I said in prior podcasts, Book of Ezra and Nehemiah particularly happen to be some of my favorite books. And the reason why they're a favorite book is um, they have so much instruction for those of us today. Um, as as part of a recap, I guess you could say, we we find ourselves in a situation where we're in the last days ourselves, and uh, we see the days darkening around us. And yet, right now here in Ezra, and these ones that had seen dark days they had come out of babylon after spending in babylon for 70 years and uh we've we we noticed in in prior in prior uh episodes here that god was having to make he was doing his work he was doing his work he was he was preparing the king of the heart the king's heart we recognize that preparing the king's heart and then he prepared the hearts of the people as well uh, and we found out that also as there was only a, uh, there's only less than 50,000 people that were coming back out of Babylon, a very small, and we use the term remnant because of the fact that they were leaving a lifestyle back in Babylon that was very luxurious, no doubt. You know, Babylon was a very advanced city at the time. And so they were leaving that. And they were leaving that for the purpose of coming back to what was God's center at that point. And God's center was was Jerusalem. And so in the first two chapters here, we have taken up all these things here. And we find that uh, Zerubbabel was the leader that brought him up. We found that in chapter 2, um, verse 2, which came, which came with Zerubbabel. And there's a list of people in verse 2 that we took up. And uh, we find here that there's a whole list of folks, and some people couldn't find themselves in the priest registry, right? And that was a that was a challenge for these folks. So now we get into chapter three. Chapter three. Now we're entering into the uh, a revival. You know, many people don't know technically what a revival is, and it's good to know. A little bit about what a revival is and it's also good to know we're going to find out another thing we're going to find out a uh, definition of worship as well as we go along here too as well so let's just read the first oh six verses of Ezra 3 and just meditate upon these things and when the seventh month was come and the children of Israel were in the cities the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brother and the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheel, Tiel, 
and his brethren and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. They kept also the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number, according to the custom, as the duty of every day required. And afterward offered the continual burnt offerings, both the new moons and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and every one that willingly offered a freewill offering unto the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. Well, a couple notes here as we come through this little first six verses here. We find here that the seventh month was come, and we find out if you do our study of the feasts, the seven feasts of Jehovah, why we find out there's a series of feasts that come in on the seventh month. And it's a beautiful thing. God's word, as we've said before, is something that you can really understand. Every When you read a, f a phrase like the first verse there, when the seventh month has come, there's a reason for that, right? And there's a reason that the seventh month, the seventh month is the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and we have these feasts that are laying in there in the seventh month. And we find that they, they're off, everybody's off doing their own work, right? They're doing their own work in their cities. But they gather themselves as one man to Jerusalem. That is a beautiful, beautiful statement. When we come together as, as one company, one unity, that takes a lot. That takes a, a, that takes a, wor a work of God to bring a company together. And, and and to come together as in unity. Now, funny, interesting enough, where they come, they come to where they find themselves in verse three. We have a couple different things that are going to be mentioned in verse three, four, and five, and we find out they come gathered around this altar. This is the this is the brazen altar. The brazen altar is is. Um, was the main entry point to both the tabernacle out in the wilderness as well as the as the uh, temple in Solomon's day. And they come to the altar to offer burnt offerings. So when it comes to the unity of people coming together, there has to be a common purpose, a common goal. And the good news is, is what we're going to see here is we're going to see the progression of what worship is. And it's important to see this because I believe that worship is something that is highly misunderstood today. And what people think worship is, is not really worship. Actually, I've come to the conclusion that it is a worship, but it's worship of man. It's very clear that a lot of what is labeled as worship is actually worship of man and not of God. And yet, let's get back to our portion here. We find here that as they gather together as one man to Jerusalem, then we have um, this man, Joshua, the son of Zozadak, and the priests and his brother, they build the altar of God. You know, interesting enough, if you look at men of God in the Old Testament, we find that every man has an altar. 
Abraham had his altar. It's a beautiful thing to see that. He had his altar and he had his tent. And we find that we find that um, having that altar is where we have communion with God. Jacob had an altar as well, right? And both in, in Jacob's situation and Abraham's situation, why we find that when they're in the land of God, they have an altar. If they leave the land of God, they don't have an altar. And so it's important to have an altar with God. And so I really, one, one takeaway is I always ask myself, what does this portion bring before me? And here we have an altar. And my question is, is what's my altar? My altar is something that I come before God. And what do they do? They offer burnt offerings. And uh, down here in verse um, verse uh, 3, burnt offerings, morning and evening, a time of communion with God. And this busyness that we have, we find ourselves having a lack of an altar, a designated place. Perhaps it's a place in my home. Perhaps it's somewhere where I get down on my knees and I be able to spend quiet time with him. And it's a real exercise for me. But this is the first thing they do is they raise the altar. They raise the altar. They put it upon its bases. It's important to note that the altar has to go on its bases. You know, sometimes we there's a thought out there that says we can worship, we can we can see God anywhere we can. Well, that is true in a partial way, but in a collective manner. We have a collective manner here as we see in verse 1, they came together as one man. There is a central place that they come to worship and it's around the altar which is put upon its bases. And it says there in verse 3, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. There was a time when the altar was taken off its bases. Who knows what, where it went? Who knows where it was? But we do know that the, uh, the altar is put on its bases. And that is an important thing. That's a distinguished place where the altar should be. And that's the same way it is with God's place today, is that it's going to be in a place that he deemed it necessary. It is a specific place where people come together to worship God, just like we have, again, with the altars of Jacob, the altars of Abraham, in and etc. We find that the altar is a place where they're going to offer these offerings, come before God, and worship him. Let's move on here to verse 4. So in verse 4 here, we find here that they have the Feast of Tabernacles, as is written, offered daily burnt offerings. So that's the that's the feast, again, happening in the seventh month. That's where they build the little tents and they dwell in booths, etc. They were to do that as they came into the land because they had to recognize the fact that there was a time when they were going to, there was a time that they were going to uh, uh, look back, look back and see that, that Israel was in the wilderness in tents. And now that they live in their cities and things like that, they go back in, in, a, fa- in a point of remembrance to recognize that they were once travelers and strangers and pilgrims. So how does that speak for me today? Do I recognize that I'm a pilgrim and a stranger? Do I have a pilgrim and a stranger uh, thought? Do, do I, I have that thing or, or, or am I tied down to this world? And so they not only uh, are offering these burnt offerings, but they're also holding the Feast of Tabernacles in verse 4. 
And then they have these other offerings that are being offered in verse 5, continual burnt offerings. But I want to look at the fourth item there. At the end of verse 5, the fourth item says, And they offered a free will offering unto the Lord. You know, and meditate upon this and other places too, I recognize that there are the so-called mandatory offerings that these ones have, and then there's something called free will offering. Free will offering is an offering that is given from the heart. It's not being mandated by God. It's not being directed by God. It's from the heart. And when we have an offering from the heart, we recognize that there is a heart of graciousness, the heart of thankfulness. And in that heart of thankfulness, we want to offer back to God more than what we've been given or it's not being mandated. Let me give an example of that. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus was standing with his disciples outside of the temple there, or in the temple court it was, and there was that widow that came and and she was uh, tossing in, it says, two mites. And it says, the scripture says, and it was all that she had, right? And the Lord Jesus is leaning over there against her uh, watching, watching, and he tells his disciples she has put in all that she had. The Lord Jesus knew that dear woman as she putting in those two mites, and it goes to show that while she had two mites, and I've, I've enjoyed the brother that brought it out to me many years ago, he said something along the lines of, by throwing in a divided portion, it shows that she had an undivided heart. And I thought that was so beautiful about there is that woman and she's giving a free will offering. She wasn't, she wasn't, you know, she didn't have to throw in everything that she had to the temple at that time. And that temple happened to be pretty, pretty wicked. But in her faith, the Lord Jesus acknowledged that woman as he was watching her in the temple court. And he mentions to his disciples that she has thrown in everything that she had. And that's a free will offering. And so it speaks to my heart too, as we have various ones in scripture. It says at the end of, this is Ezra 3, verse 5, end of verse 5. And they, every one that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. And a free will offering is not something, do I have to do it? No, it's not that at all. It has everything to do with. Yes, Lord, I would want to give a little more, Lord, and that's a free will offering. Isn't that beautiful? So just look up that term free will offering if you want your own meditation. But let's jump to verse 6. But the first day of the week, uh, I'm sorry, the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But, I liked, but I've underlined this in my Bible, this, this middle part of verse 6. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. You know, that's an interesting thing when when... When the Lord brings in specific writings and he says, but the foundation of the temple, the Lord is not yet made. There's something he's trying to tell us. He's something he's trying to tell us when he puts in a phrase like that. The foundation of the temple was sitting there. You know, we read in other portions how it was charred. The weeds were growing up, etc. I don't know what condition it was at this point, but we find out that 
the foundation was not yet laid, it was probably in disrepair. It was probably broken down. And so there is something to be said that we, yes, we can come and we can worship we, with free will offerings. Our hearts can come together in unity. But this temple and this situation, the temple base was still not laid. Well, that's a progression, though. I mean, it's not on progression. And so we'll find out as we move on inside the chapter, we'll do that next time, why we'll find out that this there is going to be um, a, a work that goes on to build that temple foundation. And it is necessary to have the temple foundation. So just in, in, in summary here, um, there are four things here that are, are worthy of noting here. Uh, we've already mentioned them, but it's good. If you're taking notes, I always like to take notes. I've taken notes in my Bible over the many, many years. And it's beautiful to have that where the first thing is they raised the altar. They first found the, they found the center, right? They found the center. They found it. They raised the altar back up. And that really speaks to what went, the work that went on in the early 1800s, why there was men of God, women of God in Europe and such that found and recovered some of these truths about the center of God and, and really what his church should have. It's been lost for so many years. And then we also find in the Feast of Tabernacles there, we see that there's that, there's that ability to reflect back to the fact that we're pilgrims in, this, in the wilderness. And then in verse, and then we see the continual burnt offerings that happen. And then number four is that free will offering. And you can, and it really goes to show, it does show unity as well, the free will offering. So, and by the way, if you want a little record for the free will offering, you can jump over to Acts 2, verse 45. Um, and then, of course, at the end of 1 Corinthians, which is 1 Corinthians 16, why you'll see there that in today's day we have. God's we have God's center, but we also have a free will offering, and you'll see that in in First Corinthians sixteen one. And so there's there's to be taken up a portion for the Lord on a free will basis. Uh, we are not into a tithe scenario today, and as a heavenly company, we're not in a tithing situation, but a free will offering scenario would play a people of God today, a heavenly people of God. And so that's what we have here in the first uh, six verses of Ezra as we start to unpack and they get to working on things. It's a beautiful thing to see as they come together on this. And so, um, you know, it's love to love to have you join. Uh, you can like and share the podcast. We have the uh, podcast playing on the, both the YouTube and the Facebook uh, platforms as well as all the other popular platforms. But we continue to look to the Lord to seek to bring us to find, letting us know what would be thy will what would be your will lord in my life and can i see a progression here as we look forward to diving down into the progression that we're looking at ezra is there a progression in my life as well in, in light of these things because all these topics do have a benefit of that so with that i look forward to seeing you on the next podcast as we look forward to, uh, to continuing to dive into Ezra, looking up to the Lord and seeing where his path would be for myself, where his path would be for you as well, and uh, seeing how these ones had their path in that day. And so with that, we'll sign off and may the Lord richly bless you and may we look up to him as we would have our own altar to be before uh, on a daily basis. What a beautiful thing we have today as we wait for him.